right, all right. Well, good morning, 11 a.m. How y'all doing? Hey, welcome to our online audience. Before we really dig in, uh, I do want you guys to pray for Denise and her family today. Uh, she is actually at the hospital this morning with her mom. They're not expecting uh, her mom to live, and so she, and she's wanting... She called me this morning and said, hey, I'm coming on. I said, no, go be with your mom. So uh, just please remember her in your prayer because uh, uh, even though she know you know where she's going, you know, it's still, still tough. So please be in prayer. So, well, guys, today we're opening up with a new series, Hot Topics. Um, anybody excited about this series? Good, because I'm a little nervous myself. Uh, I was excited until this morning when I got here and started going over my notes. And then I'm like, okay, God, you know what would be good today is if uh, you remember the old days, man, when you would, Holy Spirit would just show up and they would shout and sing and there would be no preaching. How about we do that today? And God said, no. Uh, so I'm like, uh, but let me start off by saying this. I love being a Christian. I do. Anybody else? I love being a Christian. I love, I love studying the Bible. I love reading books about my faith. I, I love those things. And here's, here's a fact. Yes, the Christ, Christianity has some dark places in history. Can we agree with that? There's some dark moments. But I will not cancel out. I will not let those things cancel the light that Jesus did for us when he died on the cross and rose from the grave. Though there's some dark places, there are, there's a, so much more light. Amen? Amen. So I, I love being a Christian. I'm very vocal about it. Uh, when it comes to politics, I am not that big of a fan. Um, uh, I've got a family member that is, uh, loves politics, and he, is, uh, he will tell you exactly what he believes uh, about his politics. Uh, Casey called him the Willie Nelson in our family, not because of his politics. Uh, but anyway, so let's go. Let's go. But 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 as a, I just have never been that in, into it or or been vocal about it. But as a Christian, as a pastor and a Christian, I believe I need to know what's going on in our world. Not someone's opinion about what's going on. Not your favorite news station about what's going on. But actually, what is going on in our world? I believe we need to be up to date on those things. And what I'm finding in, uh, in churches especially, you either have a group of Christians or a church that are all about politics. I mean, that, that's all they preach. That, that's, you, you would think they were a, 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 a party, not a church. But then you've got a group that just kind of avoided altogether. And I, we're not going to be one of those churches that just avoid it altogether and pretend that it's not part of our world because it's very much part of our world. And now, I'm in some new territory today, uh, so I need y'all to show me a little more grace than usual. Uh, and I said that because for some of you, this is going to be like, whoa, hallelujah. And for some of y'all, y'all going to get ticked off. And so I need you to be like we talked about last week, where we, where, where we said the, first, the uh, first century church valued devotion above emotion. 
And I need y'all to be, be that way today. Uh, with, with that being said, let me say this, and, and let me be very clear. I will never, ever stand up here and tell you who to vote for. Ever. That's your personal decision. That's your personal choice. You'll never see a bumper sticker on my car. One, I don't like bumper stickers. Uh, you'll never see a, a sign in my front yard. Uh, th- those are things. But what I will do is preach and tell you what the Word of God says about certain issues and about some things in our life. Because here at the end of the day, well, this, this whole series, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter at all what I think. What matters is what God says about it. doesn't matter what I think. Because we've all got our opinions, right? But I want to know what does God say about it. Uh, so, so, PK, why haven't you been more vocal about it in the past? Well, that's a fair question. And the honest answer is this. I suffer from this condition called, uh, I like to be liked. <laughs> Otherwise known as fear. Uh, And as much as I like to say or think, and listen, I found this across the board. We can say we don't think, don't care what people think about us, uh, but that's just simply not true. But the older I'm getting, either either it's the older I get or it's just uh, the the whirlwind of emotions that have been going over the past two weeks with Eric and Denise's family, or maybe God's given me a little more boldness. But whatever it is, I'm just finding this. My give a damn's about busted. You know, and maybe I shouldn't say that church. But it's cracked and cracking. And it's about, it's about busted. And I had one guy tell me this morning. He said, maybe it's not busted. It's just maybe that you started saying, hey, I need to speak truth no matter what the cost. And, and so uh, uh, here's, here's what I'm fully aware of. The moment we said we're going to talk about politics, there are some people that showed up today or watching online. Their whole goal is, they may not tell you this, their whole goal is to find something offensive about what I say. They want to be offended. They want to find something I say and, they, and then run with it, put it on. They want, their whole objective is to be offended at something I say or do, and they just showed up to be offended. And I'm learning more and more is no matter what I say or do, somebody's going to be offended. And let me go and apologize. If I don't offend you today, I apologize. I'll get to you. I'll get to you. So, and so it's not a matter of me trying to offend. It's not a matter of, uh, uh, of me wanting to offend. Here's what I'm learning. It's a matter of people, and I'm myself included, will we turn down our own opinions, our own ideologies, the way we've been brought? Will we turn those things down long enough to have a conversation? Are you with me? Over the past few years, we've heard this saying more and more and more, and I Listen, I believe this. But it's Jesus, hey, but Kelly, Jesus is full of grace and full of truth. Absolutely. But you know what also Jesus was full of? Truth. Truth. Jesus was 100% grace and love and 100% truth. And we as a church need to learn how to marry those two things together. 
Because for some reason we've got, this is what I believe has hurt Christianity for a long time. You've got this, now we've got this side over here that's all grace and all truth. And you know what that breeds? It brings the mindset of I can live however I want to. And God will forgive me. And then you've got this side that's all truth. And all that does is breeds tyranny. Well, if I don't do this, I don't do that. And, and so, but Jesus somehow was able to marry those two together. And we've got to learn how to do that. He was full of love, grace, and tr- but he's also full of truth. And he spoke the truth in love. So whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, Reformed, Whig, uh, that's one of the old parties. Nobody remember that? Nobody remember history in school? Whatever party, I want to ask you a sincere question. I want, I want to, it is, it's a sincere question. When you asked Jesus into your heart, when Jesus came into your heart or life, did he only come in to take over certain parts and sections of your life, or did he come in to take over all of your life? All of your, thank you, shepherd. He agreed with me. All of it. Does he just want pieces of your heart and life or all of it? See, here's the thing. When you become a Christian, surrendering your life to Christ, it is a deeply personal issue. Can we agree? But here's the thing. And if you're taking notes, your decision to follow Jesus is a personal issue, but it cannot be a private issue. Oh, what do you mean, PK? What Jesus did for you is deeply personal. Deeply personal. A, co- a few weeks ago, uh, some of you got to come out and hear Tiffany give her testimony at CR about what God did personally in her life. But guess what? It didn't stay private. You know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, my brother uh, was, was in this pulpit when, we, when I was out and talked about what God had done to restore the marriage, to restore things in his life. It was deeply personal to him and Janet. But how many know it did not stay private? It was made public. Uh, this, this Wednesday, uh, Casey's starting a series on Wednesday nights. You need to be at called Our House, Our Stories, where every week you're going to hear different testimonies of people that belong to this house and how God deeply, personally intervened, transformed their lives. But though it may be deeply personal, it was never intended to be a private thing. Are you with me? While it's personal, you, we cannot say, well, let's keep it to yourself. Well, well Kelly, come, I just don't agree with that. Well, then you disagree with Jesus. Let me show you what Jesus said about it. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Your lives, that deep personal thing I did in you, those, your lives are like salt among the people. But if you, like salt, become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. In other words, keep it personal. What is it good for? Nothing. Nothing. He goes on. Your lives light up the world. Whose lives? The Christians, our lives, light up the world. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who, who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's a place where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. Look at this. So don't hide your light. Don't keep it private. 
Go public with it. Let it shine brightly before others so that your commendable works will shine as a light upon them. And when they see that, they're going to praise who? Your Father who's in heaven. Can I tell you the hope of this chaotic world? The hope of what's going on in our government, in our school systems, the hope for the political climate is the gospel of Jesus Christ that lives inside of us. That's the hope of glory. Jesus says, your decision to follow him was deeply personal. However, you were never meant to live it out privately. You were meant to let it shine like a light on a hill. Let it shine. Two weeks ago, um, I started this, uh, uh, I started online school. Uh, It has been 40 years since I've done a book report or homework. Uh, a week before my online school starting, I was just checking my notes. Okay, do I have anything? Yes, I, a week out, I've got a book report due. And so here I am reading this book, and like, I mean, I'm like, okay, how many? 50 pages a day is what I've got to read to get up to that. And as so I'm doing this book report, I, I, I did finish it, thank God, in time. Now, how good it was, I do not know. Uh, but I got it turned in, but I'm not used to that. But I was working on this message last week, and... Um, so I thought, I'm going to take a break from, from work on this and, and do some of my homework for my schooling online. And one of the homework assignments was to listen to this podcast by John Maxwell called The Law of Intentionality. I cannot recommend it enough. And then I had to write a report about it. Well, he starts talking about how everyone needs a growth plan. And, and he, here's one of his first points. He says, you need to make a commitment to intentionally grow. He said this, 99% of people think they're just going to grow. It's just going to happen. And then those, those 99% of those people, they, they, they grow miserable in their life because they're not growing. You have to intentionally grow. The second thing he says, make that commitment public. A commitment that is not public is worthless. Wow. I stopped, listened to the podcast, went back over to my, my study notes for the message, and I put this down so I wouldn't forget it because this same principle to making a commitment public goes for us as Christians too. And he followed that up with this, and this is in your notes. A shared commitment becomes a strong commitment. In other words, you've got people to hold you accountable now for that commitment you made public. I'm telling you guys, that that is why we're doing this series. Because while I do not want to offend anyone, I cannot continue to sugarcoat, downplay things that the Bible is very clear on. I won't watch Bar Community Church to be a a community that not only loves and shows incredible grace and truth. And I'm going to tell you, we do that. We have got that down. But I also want us to be a place where the truth is preached. It's preached in a way that people, call, I'm getting ahead, I'm getting ahead of myself, I don't. The Bible doesn't say you will know grace and grace will set you free. The Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, here's the thing, man, I, I want to be a place that is full of both grace and truth. All right, with that being said, are you ready to talk politics? Now, now, that was just my introduction. We're not already into it, so that doesn't go against my time. Okay, you ready? 
Here we go. Dave, if you got a Bible, turn to Daniel chapter 2. Before we get there, I'm just going to go and tell you, I'm going to be a couple of different places in the Bible, but then we will settle in to Daniel chapter 2. Um, is this a fair statement for me to make? If there's a place in your life that is out of control, if you've got an area, an out of control area in your life, is it probably an area that you've compartmentalized and have not really released to Jesus yet? Finances. If your finances are out of control, chances are it's because you said, okay, I've got this, Jesus. If you've got relationships that are out of control, it's probably because, no, Jesus, I love you over there, but this part of my life I'm good at. Some of y'all, come on, I'm this way, not in my nose, but you suck at relationships, and you need to allow Jesus to intervene in that. But let's move on. Hobbies. If you've got a hobby that's out of control, it's keeping you from family. It's keeping you from, chances are you've not surrendered that part of Jesus. You know, so, so wherever you are on the political landscape, can we agree that America is out of control and seems to have lost its dang mind? Come on. So in the South, we'd say it like this, it's going to hell in a handbasket. I don't even know what that means. And I've said it my whole life. It's going to hell in a handbasket. Well, we got a handbasket. That doesn't look like hell. We got a handbasket. I don't know what it means, but that's why we'd say it. So let me ask you this question. Has America gotten out of control because the church was way too involved in politics? Or is it because Christians took that light that Jesus said shined to all the world and we hid it under a bushel and we said, you know, I don't want to offend. I don't want to be misrepresented, so I'm just going to put it right here. See, I believe that God has given us Christians, the church. I believe we've got a voice and it's time that we start speaking up. And it's time we start speaking up in love. In love. Well, Kelly, what about separation of church and state? You do know that's not in the Constitution, don't you? Because that's, that's the big argument. It gets so misrepresented. That quote gets so misquoted. The origin of the expression separation of church and state is found in the letter uh, from Thomas Jefferson written to the Danbury Baptist Association in, in 1802. The, the, the Baptist Association had written a letter to the president saying, hey, we're concerned that, that because some things are, we're concerned for the church that we're not going to have these rights. See, it was not meant to, it was meant to protect the church from the government, not the other way around. And here, let me show you. Here's what uh, Jefferson wrote back to him. I contemplate with sovereign reverence that act of the whole American people, which declared that their legislators should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Thus building here, where we get that phrase, a wall of separation between church and state. The metaphor he uses, a wall of separation, was not intended to say that religion should not influence opinion on government issues. Rather, it was used to affirm free religious practices of the citizens. So that argument holds no weight. 
Are you with me? You still with me? Because here's a fact. If our faith is the foundation of who we are, it should influence every aspect and area of our life. Can we agree? If it is the foundation, if my faith in Jesus is the foundation of who I am, it should influence every area of my life, no matter what I believe. Are you with me? So let's jump in before I get in trouble. Um, Backstory to this before we get to Daniel 2. Look, I've already offended Jacob. He's man running. Hey, uh, backstory before we jump in here. King Jehoiakim was one of the last kings of Judah before the Babylonians came in. They took over. He was the son of a man named King Josiah. Here's what the Bible said about King Josiah, or today we might say President Josiah. Here's what it says about him in 2 Kings. Never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart, soul, and strength. I don't know about you. I want that said about me. When my life is over. That's King Jehoiakim's father. Now look what the Bible says about King President Jehoiakim. 2 Kings 23. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He was not a good leader. He was not a God-fearing leader. And because of Jehoiakim and the people of Judah, because of their unrepentant heart, God allows the Babylonians to come in, capture them, take over, make them slaves to a king called Nebuchadnezzar. And and that's where Daniel 1 kicks off right there. And I'm setting this up, so stay with me. Daniel chapter 1, verse 3. Then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, ordered Asphanath, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. The king says hey, to his chief of staff, I want you to go get me the brightest, the smartest uh, of those that were in the, the royal family, and I want uh, them to serve in my White House. I want them to serve in my kingdom. And one of these young men was a guy by the name of Daniel. And King Nebuchadnezzar changes Daniel's name to Belshazzar. Well, Daniel ends up interpreting a couple of dreams for King Neb. Gets, he gets placed in a government position in his kingdom. And this is what King Nebuchadnezzar says about Daniel. Check this out, Daniel 4, 9. I said to him, Belshazzar, Daniel, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Well, Nebuchadnezzar dies toward the end of this chapter. And when we open up chapter 5, a guy by the name of King Belshazzar is taken on the throne. And King, I'm telling you, if you don't read the Bible, it's got some great stories in it. Well, King Belshazzar is having this party, and, and all, out of nowhere, this hand comes down. And in front of him, he sees it. It begins to write on the wall. Of course, it scares King Belshazzar to death. So he, he's like, who, who, can, who can tell me what this, this writing says? I don't understand. don't understand what it says. Well, then his mom, the queen, his, his mother, the king's mother heard about it. She came to her son. And the king, this is what she said. A non-believer, a non-believer, a pagan says this about one of the children of God. Daniel 5.11. There is a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. In other words, they don't even know they're saying this, but they're saying there's a man in your kingdom filled with the spirit of God. I don't understand it. 
I just know this, something different about him. He is filled. Our gods, there's nothing like what this man is filled with. He is filled with the Spirit of God. And it's important that we know that when we jump into this story. Daniel chapter 2. All right, now we're finally there. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. He demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. They demanded to tell him what he had dreamed. As they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. Now, you need to understand, and these, God would often speak through dreams to believers and non-believers. I believe God still speaks through dreams today. Now, I'll also say this. Not every dream is a dream from God. Sometimes those dreams are just a result of your bad dietary choices the night before. Bad pizza, bad something, that's what it is. So, but, but God speaks to him in this dream, and he knows this has got to mean something. And so he calls his cabinet, his board together, and demands, tell me what the dream means. Verse 4, then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic. I want you to notice, because it's funny how their demeanor changes here. Long live the king. Tell us the dream, and we will tell you what it means. Long live the king, you demand. Just tell us what the dream is. Then we'll tell you what it means. But the king said to his astrologers, I'm serious about this. You don't tell me what my dream was and what it means. You're going to be torn limb from limb, and your house is going to be turned into heaps of rubble. The king's like, no, 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 we're not going that route. I know how you guys work. You want me to tell you my dream. Y'all going to get in your little huddle, make up something, and come back to me. Uh-uh. I tell you what. You either tell me what my dream is, what it means, or you and your family's dead. How do you like that? Then <laughs> he says, well, I forgot where am I at. Rubble. And, and, uh, now let me ask you, are the king's expectations unrealistic? Absolutely, that's not a trick question. Uh, does what the king, is what he's asking of them, it, does it sound, does it make any sense at all? Come on, does it make sense at all? Do this or you're dead. Tell me what my dream is and then what it means. Or you're, it makes no sense at all. Now, now, I know it's hard to believe, but there was a time when leaders in the land, they would ask, some unrealistic expectations out of people. They would say some things that made no sense at all. Aren't you so glad that's not happening anymore today? <laughs> I know. I know I am. <laughs> he goes, if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Tell me what the dream means. All you have to do is tell me exactly what my dream was, tell me what it means, and then, man, I'm going I'm to give you a lot of prizes, a lot of honor. They didn't say this out loud, but how many know they're thinking, are you serious? This king has lost his stinking mind. How, how are we going to do He's off his rocker, but look how they respond. They go from uh, long live the king to please your majesty. Tell us a dream, and we will tell you what it means. The king replied, I know what you're doing. 
You're stalling for time because you know I'm serious when I say that if you don't tell me the dream, you are doomed. So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind. But tell me the dream, and then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. Here's what I want from you. If you don't give it to me, you're going to die a violent death along with your family. Can we agree that's unreasonable? Absolutely. Well, someone finally gets the courage to speak up, and they're like, hey, King, there's nobody on earth that can do this. What you're asking is just crazy. There's nothing. And then verse 11, they say the king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream. And they do not live here among your people. They're like, king, this is impossible. Do you see any gods living here among us? Because that's the only way it's going to happen. Well, what happened? The king was furious. When he heard this, he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. Not just the ones before him. All the men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, because of the king's decree, because he issued this policy, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. couple of questions. Is this... A political decision that was being made. Yeah, it is. I mean, the king or the president, he's demanding something based upon some unrealistic expectations of the governing, governing administration. And if it doesn't happen, hundreds of people are going to die. This is a political decision. Question number two. Is this going to affect Daniel? You better believe it. But he's a believer, Kelly. He's a child of God. Here's what you need to understand. Being a follower of Jesus does not protect you from irrational or terrible decisions that are made by local, state, and national leaders. Let's go on. 14. When Ariok, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, look at this. Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. He handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Here's what Daniel didn't do. Daniel didn't pretend like this wasn't going to affect him and pretend like, hey, we're all in just this little bubble here. It's not going to bother us. It's not going to affect us. Listen, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we cannot hide away and pretend that, that we're in some bubble and that the policies handed down and the laws handed down are not going to affect us. They're going to affect us. And you can push back and say that America, well, America really isn't a Christian nation anymore. And if you want to believe that, that's fine. But understand this. Babylon was definitely not a Christian nation. This was a pagan nation. We know that. Where Daniel is, it wasn't a Christian nation. So we can make excuses and say we're not a Christian nation anymore. But here, maybe the problem is this. Christians have been silent way too long. Here's Daniel. He's gained favor with previous kings. He's been faithful to God. He's living faithfully. He's one out of four believers. We only know of three other believers besides Daniel in the nation. He's just going about his merry way, and all of a sudden, the government comes knocking on his door. Daniel could have done what I've been accused of doing. I've done it, and others have been accused of doing, and say, you know what? I'm just not going to get involved. 
Uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send out, I'm going to get a prayer chain going on Facebook. Telling us, pray about, oh, pray about our government. Pray about what's going on. In fact, Monday night, we're going to have, have prayer. And we are having prayer tomorrow night. Uh, have prayer. And we're just going to pray for our government officials. What else can we do? I am all about prayer. Hear me. I, I believe in prayer. We've got prayer tomorrow night. Daniel was all about prayer. In fact, when you read on, Daniel gets thrown in a den of lions because of his prayer life. But if Daniel had said, I'm just going to pray about it. I'm just going to send out prayer requests. I'm not going to get involved with this political situation. Guess what? Daniel dies, and so does hundreds of other people die. But Daniel said, no, something's got to be done. Look at 14 again. When Ariok, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled this situation with wisdom and discretion. I mean, how would you handle that situation? The authorities show up. Hey, we're here to kill you. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't think I'm going to handle it with wisdom and discretion. going to be more like Smith and Wesson. You know, that, that's the way it's probably going to be handled. But, but he handled it with, how does Daniel in the face of death use wisdom and discretion? We can't even do that on our Facebook post. I've seen some of y'all's response. I've seen some of y'all's argument. I've seen some of y'all's posts. And let me just say as nicely as I can, there is no wisdom or discretion in any of those things. I'm just going to leave it there. Yet Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. How could he do that? Well, I read you those verses in chapter 4 and chapter 5 for a reason. Because later on you hear they say, I know a man in your cabinet. I know a man in your kingdom that works in you. He is filled with the Spirit of God. He was filled with the Spirit of God. Listen, as followers of Jesus, we've got to be filled with the Spirit of God. And I, I believe it's a continual filling. Oh, I didn't say anything to you we got to be filled, continual filling uh, of his spirit, of the spirit of God. Listen, as, as, as followers of Jesus, we should have political opinions. But you don't have to be a jerk about it. Are, are you hearing me? You don't have to be mean and nasty about it. And I believe if we, when we begin to operate with the spirit of God inside us, we're, we're not, I, I believe when you, if you're a jerk, and I use that term because y'all get mad if I use another term. You're not operating under the Spirit of God. It, even, if you're, even if what you're saying is true, are you hearing me? I, I, I'm reminded of this story. Um, of the, I didn't tell this at the first, but this woman had prayed for her husband to get saved. And uh, she, her, finally, her husband finally agreed to go with, with her to church. This pastor gets up there and he preaches on hell. And she's like, okay, nothing happens. He leaves. A couple weeks later, he agrees to go with her church again. This different pastor preaches on hell. He gets up and gets saved. She says, hey, wh what was the difference? He said, well, the first pastor preached on hell like he wanted me to go there. This pastor preached like he wanted to do everything to keep me from going there. How many know the truth, if it is not presented correctly, will run people away more than draw them in? 
Let's move on. Here's a, here's a fact. You're going to disagree with people. Come on. You're going to disagree with not just politically, but as followers of Jesus. If you don't write down anything, write down this. Christians should be able to sit down, have a conversation with wisdom and discretion, not pride and arrogance. You should be able to sit down with someone that disagree with or you disagree with. Have a conversation and the Spirit of God in you helps you to use wisdom and discretion instead of you coming off. Well, let's move on. How do you respond with wisdom and discretion? Be filled with the Spirit of God. Daniel was a leader filled with the Spirit of God. Now, We've had a lot of presidents and a lot of political leaders that were filled with a lot of stuff, but not the Spirit of God. Are you with me? When Daniel hears that the king has sent Arioch there to kill him, he doesn't say, are you kidding me? What's going on? What's the king going to do next? No. What does Daniel do? He asks questions. You know it's okay to ask questions about policies and laws and orders that our governing authorities have set into place. We should ask questions. And Daniel asked Arioch, he said, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? In other words, could you tell me why this is happening? Daniel's like, I don't want to jump the gun and assume why it's happening. So can we sit down, have a conversation, and you tell me what he's, what, what, what he's trying to do here? What's happening? I want to understand what's going on. Can I tell you, maybe if we did what Daniel did and actually sat down and asked questions instead of constantly giving our views and our opinions, but we opened a dialogue, maybe some of these things could change that we've been wanting to change. You know what frustrates me about the political world in general? whether it's Democrat or, or, or Republican. The Republicans will disagree with what this Democrat says just because they're a Democrat. This Democrat will disagree with what this Republican says just because they're a It doesn't matter if it's true. It's just they're against us, so I'm not going to agree with it. And that is so. Why don't we sit down, use wisdom and discretion, and allow Holy Spirit to begin to lead? That's, that's my problem. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Well, he asked, what's going on? Why did, why did the king do this? Ariok goes on to tell Daniel all that happened. Well, the king had this dream. None of his cabinet officials, none of them could tell him what it was or what it meant. So the king got angry and did this, gave this order. Daniel goes at once to see the king. Does Daniel get involved politically? He's going to see the president. He's going to see the king. And he says, hey, 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 tell, 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 tell the king. To hold us, give us some time. See, here's the thing. Daniel did that not because he only wanted better for himself. He wanted better for his friends and the hundreds of other people that this law was going to affect. It wasn't just a personal, all, all about me, I'm looking out for me. He's like, this is going to affect so many more people than me. We need to do something about it. Daniel wanted better. Daniel went on. uh, Daniel went into action. He prayed absolutely, but he knew he could not change anything on his own. So look what he does, verse 17. Daniel went home, told his friends, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah what had happened. He urged them to ask God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret. He went to his small group. 
He went to his home church. He said, we got to get involved, boys. So I know Han- Hananiah and Michelle Nazariah might be better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen, they were familiar with stepping into a literal heated political climate. Come on, that was funny. Come on, that was, that was a good pun. They got thrown into the furnace. He Nine a.m. Love that joke, man. But here's the truth, guys. There are going to be times when, as followers of Jesus, we simply cannot just do nothing. There are going to be times when followers of Jesus, we cannot just sit silently by and idle and go along with it. There are times that we have to stand up for what God says is right and true. We've got to. Daniel goes, he gets his church involved, gets them praying. Daniel prayed. He had his church praying, his group. But Daniel knew this. Hey, what would later be talked about in the New Testament? That, hey, faith without works is dead. Yeah, we're going to pray, but we're also going to get some action going. And he got involved. So Daniel goes to Arioch, tells him to take him to see the king, that he knows the dream and the meaning. I love how this plays out, verse 26. The king said to Daniel, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? If I'm Daniel, I'm like, absolutely, I can tell you. I've got the dream and I've got the interpretation. Let me tell you what it means so that we won't die. But Daniel knew this, that the interpretation wasn't going to be enough. This king needed to know who the interpretation came from. Because he was used to getting it from men. He needed to know that there was somebody other than the Lord God that he knew about. Look, Daniel replied, There are no wise men, no enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven. Hold up. Don't bring religion into this. Don't bring religion into this political climate. You're not supposed to bring faith into politics. Keep it separated. Apparently, Daniel understood that his faith, the foundation of his faith, would influence every aspect of his life. Apparently, Daniel knew that God had to have all of him, not just parts of it and sections of it. Apparently, Daniel knew, hey, I've got to get involved. Yes, I'm going to pray about it, but I've also got to get active in this. But there is a God in heaven. Who reveals secrets. He, was, he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the vision you saw as you lay on your bed. Check this out. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets, God who reveals secrets, has shown you what is going to happen. And it is not because I'm wiser. It's not because of me than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream. But because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. Daniel goes on to tell the king what he dreamed. He goes into vivid detail, exactly what the king dreamed. I mean, so much detail into what he dreamed. And if you want to read about it, it's 23, verse 23 through 44. And he tells this, and here's how detailed it was. When Daniel got done telling this is what you dreamed, and here's the interpretation, look what the king did, verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel, worshipped him, and he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. The king said to Daniel, truly, this is because Daniel got involved politically, truly your God 
is greater is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal the secret. Look what happens. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position, gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all the wise men. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon while Daniel remained in the king court. Daniel gets promoted to governor over the province. He gets put as the over all the, the other wise men, and he gets to appoint his own board. And in the process, saves hundreds, if not thousands of lives. Because he said, yes, I'm going to pray, but I also got to get involved. If I can get Bubba or one of them to come on up. Here's what God has really been pressing on me over the past several weeks, if not months. I've talked to our staff about it. I've talked to our leadership about it. What I believe is God has been saying to me is this. Kelly, the people that I'm sending you, the people I'm sending to Wattsbar Community Church, they need to know what my word says about different things in their life. Because they weren't brought up like you. There are people that, have, that, that are going to be coming here that, that grew up with a twisted view of who I am. There are people that, that grew up seeing their mom and dad, their, their, the lifestyles they lived, and, and, and it's just a, uh, just, just a part of who they are, and they need to hear what my word says about them and that I am for them and not against them. He says, Kelly, what I want you to do is preach my word leave the rest to me leave the rest to me and here's why I'm saying this church and I'm talking to Watts Bar those that call this place home you're going to hear me say some things that are going to hit you the wrong way may make, make you angry may cause you to get real defensive and I get it, it hurts when God begins to go after things that are buried deep in our hearts a lot of times when we get angry, it's not because we're angry at what was said. It's because we're angry because part of us know it's true. And when God begins to dig around in their hearts, guess what? It hurts. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. Yeah, but it's going to hurt in the process. And those that deal with addiction know it's going to set you free, but there's some pain in the process. I mean, know that God healed a, healed a bad marriage that, yeah, he's going to heal it, but there's some pain in the process because what you've got to do is you've got to die to you. Die to you. Your opinions, how you feel about where it's all about me, it's all about what I want. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm not trying to make an enemy out of you or make you feel bad. What I'm trying to desperately do is get you to see what God thinks about you, what God says about you, and that he wants you so desperately to run to him and give him every part of your life, not just little sections of it. He wants you to see that your decision to follow Jesus is deeply personal, but it cannot remain private. 
I believe that us as followers of Jesus, that this church, we have an obligation to speak up about situations and the things that are affecting our communities, our families, and and our neighborhoods. Amen? We've got an obligation. But here's the thing, being hateful and mean about it and arguing about it on on social media, that's not going to change anything or anyone. But we've been silent way too long time we stand up for what God says this is right how do we do it I think we do it like Daniel did I think we approach it with wisdom and discretion I tell you I've got before I even do any counseling whether it's marital counseling whether it's someone counseling about things I've got every before I even go into that God let me hear your voice in this situation I don't want to give this person, this couple, my opinion. I want to give them what you're saying to them. How would that change if before we posted something on Facebook, before we talked to someone, we stopped and said, God, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. You know what some of that wisdom is? It's you not saying or doing anything. It's being silent. I think we do as Daniel did, handle it with wisdom and discretion. I think we do as Jesus did, speak the truth with love. I don't think that God is calling us, calling for us, the church, to live in a bubble, feeling like we have to apologize for every opinion and moral and value that, of ours that is different from somebody else. Because, I, I, come on, anybody else felt like that way? I I feel like I have to apologize or not let you know what my moral stand is or my value is on this because I believe God says, no, no, they need to know what my word says about it. And here's what I've seen this. I've had people get mad at me. And I didn't argue. I didn't get mad. Holy Spirit, though, would deal with them when they left the situation. And they'd come back, you know what, Pastor, you were right. Because I can't change anybody. You can't change anybody. Only Holy Spirit can do that. I've been very quiet about some things that I believe and things I believe when it pertains to God's Word simply because I I don't want to offend people. That's that's not what I want to do. But as for me, this church, this house... We are going to be unapologetic when it comes to declaring the truth of God's word in love. We're going to use wisdom. We're going to use discretion, and we're going to. But we're not going to hide or act like that 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 we're not here. We're going to be vocal, but we're going to do it in love. Daniel went, found the other believers, and said, "We've got a choice to make. We either sit silently by, do nothing, and die." Or we get involved. And guys, can I tell you the same decision is in front of us today? Either we sit silently by and watch our neighborhoods, our school systems, our family members die spiritually, die physically, die emotionally. Because I'm going to tell you, there's some, th- there's some decisions being made in our government right now. That I say, that is so asinine. How could that happen? It's simply because there wasn't people filled with the Holy Spirit that stood up and said, no, this can't be. 
You know there's a hospital in Tennessee that you don't have to have parental consent to go there and have them do sex changes on you? Did you know the governor of California has signed a thing where that, that, that trying to get it where, where you can come there without parental consent to have any of that stuff done? I'm talking 10, 11, 12 years old. If, I, if, if my kids, if I allow them to say, hey, at 10, 11, 12 years old, what do you want to be? Listen, they'd be a pirate. I'd be saying, hey, let's cut off his hand, put a hook there, let's gouge out his eye, and let's buy him a parrot. parrot. Why? Because at that age, they're still developing. And it, it is odd to me that we tell them, well, your brains aren't developed enough, so you can't go into the service till this age. You can't drink till this age. You can't do this till this age. But hey, if you want to change up your sexual organs at 10, 11, go at it. And I'm going to tell you this. I've seen video, and we'll talk about this in one, in one say. I've seen video after video of people that did that, and five, ten years later, they're saying, why did they allow me to do that? Why? As a parent, your job is not to make, be friends with your child. It's to lead them, to guide them. Now, I'll say this. My kids are grown. Uh, my youngest is 23 years. I am great friends with them now. But growing up, I did stuff that ticked them off. Why? Because as a parent, my job is not to make them like me. It's to protect them. It's to help them make decisions that they don't want to make in that time. I'm telling you, church, I believe it's time. We've got to stand up. We've got to be a voice when nobody else is speaking. If it offends, it offends. If it makes someone mad, it makes them mad. But we got to say, this is what the Word, I am a Christian. And because I'm a Christian, I believe the Word of God. And here's what the Word of God says about it. And I cannot deviate from that. Stand with me. Father God, forgive us for just kind of separating ourselves from what was going on in our world and almost living in a bubble and not wanting to speak up. God, we repent. We repent. You said it begins in the house of God, so right now we I'm, guys, if you need to repent, I'm telling you, take right now. Say, God, forgive me for being quiet. God, forgive me for not standing up because I've, I've had to do repenting myself. Father, be, for, forgive me. Forgive me. Maybe you need to say, God, you know what? Forgive me because although I spoke up with the truth, there was little to no love. And God, forgive me for being that way. Help me to exhibit love and grace along with the truth. God, I pray we would be a church where I don't care where you're from, what you've done, where, what lifestyle, that they would know that they are welcome in this place because grace and love abounds here. But also it would be a place where your word would pierce the heart of people and they would say, you know what, I need something different in my life. 
Let us be that kind of place. And God, let us be a people that say, you know, if I don't speak up, I can either sit idly by, do nothing. And if I do that, it's going to affect the people I love and the people in my community. Or I can begin to speak up at the cost of being misunderstood, at the cost of people looking at me differently. How many would say, you don't even have to bow your heads, because, man, I'm, I'm in this. You'd say, you know what, Pastor? I want to speak up. I want to speak God's truth and love and quit being so silent because I'm scared that it might offend someone or they may, they may look at me different. They may shun me now because they know. But I want to have the courage to begin to speak up and not just pray, but actively get involved. I want the courage to do that. That you raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Father, you see every hand raised in here. Give us the courage. Give us the courage to be, to walk out of here filled with the Spirit of God. To handle situations with wisdom, discretion. To speak the truth with love, God. But we cannot stand by, cannot sit by and do nothing. When our communities are dying, our nation's dying, our families are dying, Father. It's time the church rise and stand up and speak up, God. It's time we become the church. Jesus with skin on. In Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Austin. Amen. Amen.